Welcome to the Ages Comics of Alaska podcast, where we tell Alaskans what to put in their box at Alaska's comic book shop. I always wished I could do something better than comics, but there didn't seem to be anything. This is the Ages Comics of Alaska podcast, and now your hosts, Lou and Amy Joe. Hey guys, hope you guys are doing good. Uh, looks like we have, let's see uh, how many people we have right now. We've got, uh, looks like we got 13 on and people are still joining. We've got uh, um, our people from Spine Ticks. We got Sean Miller, Stephen M. We got uh, the lovely Amy. Copy 801, Lon, welcome, welcome. Chase, what's up? What is going on? And so, uh, guys. Austin, Tony Trembretta, Coco, uh, Cobra Command Gal. Ooh, wee. Nice. Yeah, it looks like everybody's popping up now. Thank you, guys. Thank you so very much, man. We appreciate you guys coming on the show tonight. Uh, we are broadcasting live from Alaska's comic book shop, and we are broadcasting to uh, simultaneously youtube twitch and facebook so let's see here yeah it looks like uh you guys all coming on here little by little we appreciate you hey austin what's going on my man good to see you austin holy cow and let's see uh Amy, you good oh, you there? Probably tell everyone. Yeah, you should probably tell everyone I'm on the phone because they're probably wondering why they can hear me <laughs> and not see me. <laughs> we we uh, our lawyers told us to shut off her camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Austin has a protective order. Uh, Austin's mom has a protective order against Amy, so she has to uh, stay off camera. But uh, we have an awesome guest tonight. We're going to do a quick uh, shout-out to our sponsors and go right into this craziness. So uh, here's a special shout-out to our sponsors. Our sponsors, the Awakening Expresso, located next to us here in downtown Wasilla. EGS Comics Grading Services, our preferred comic grading service here at the shop. Michael Ray Photography, our first choice for cosplay, boudoir, and family photo shoots. Frosted Axe Throwing, when you need to unleash your inner savage, with locations in Anchorage and Eagle River, schedule your event today. And you can represent with our Aegis Comics swag. Visit our swag shop today, and don't miss out on that gear. And you can support the channel with Patreon. And don't forget to subscribe to our Instagram, because yo, we're hysterical. Ladies, do you want to look awesome in a pair of Aegis leggings? Well, make sure when you order, you order a size larger than you normal wear so you don't look like a busted can of biscuits. You never know what someone will look like in one of these pairs of leggings. And guys, without further ado, uh, we have Miss Christina Merkler, the owner of a lunar distribution a co-owner of lunar distribution how are you tonight i'm good and i hope we didn't scare you off no. 
The night is young. Yeah, the night is young. Give Amy time. She will scare you off there. Okay, I am difficult to scare off. So try oh, to good, go. good, good. That's why they want to hear. Like animal from the Muppets. Like, just give it time, yes. and then you're like, yo, this is crazy. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, we really appreciate your time. Appreciate you being on the show. Uh, I've got uh, Olivia, one of our staff members here, who actually uh, started off as one of our customers. Actually, all of our staff members were customers first, and they're all comic readers and comic lovers, but they're also, you know, people people. So that helps us out. And uh, the reason we invited you on the show is because you're – Yes, you're the awesome. newest distributor, but you're also the one that doesn't bring us to tears every time we receive a shipment. So <laughs> we, we have to say that we are very appreciative of uh, what you do and what you have done for the industry. So I wanted to start off real quick by, uh, uh, I mean, how, how did Lunar come about? Okay. Um, well, I mean, we've owned DCBS for, it'll be 22 years next month. Um, so we've obviously been a retailer for that long. And, uh, when we received the, the news that diamond was doing, was going to be shutting down, we understandably freaked out because our, you know, state wasn't shut down. We knew many other retailer states weren't shut down. And, uh, you know, I mean, everyone I'm sure did a quick calculation and said, how long are we, are we going to be able to actually survive? with Diamond being shut down. Um, and then, I mean, I couldn't even tell you the timeline now because it was all kind of a blur, but at one point DC reached out to us and just said, hey, can you help us out? Um, getting comics to the stores that are open. And um, it, it really just started that way. And we said, yeah, let's figure it out. And three weeks later, we were fulfilling product for the stores that wanted to be taken care of and that's just kind of how it started it morphed from there um but but that was <laughs> that was the impetus behind the beginning of lunar well you 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 were definitely a lifesaver for us i can't i'm not saying that loosely i mean uh uh the fact that you guys were able to uh provide to us all the way up here in alaska i think we are your northernmost customer with exception of maybe uh the comic shop uh, which is in Fairbanks, yeah. Yeah. and uh, mm -hmm. uh, we we got to meet Randy uh, uh, and his staff a, a couple of days ago, actually, and they they actually run a little distribu distribution business themselves. They do the distribution for uh, like all the cards and you know the Pokemon cards and that kind of stuff. He does that stuff because he uh, he's actually the oldest comic book shop in the state. He started in 1983. He was literally the first comic book shop up here, so. <laughs> Uh, but uh, uh, man, a we're good so... year. That's a good year. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. That's right, hon. Jesus, uh, yeah. she's gonna remind me how I robbed the cradle. Okay, we're not gonna talk about that right now. We have guests. <laughs> we have guests, woman. <laughs> so I got into comics fairly recently, actually, only about the time the Aegis opened, and I'm definitely way more a reader than a collector. And so being able to get the comics up here, you know. With Diamond shutting down, I was really worried because, you know, so many series were still ongoing that I just needed to know what happened. Uh, are you personally more of a, a collector or a reader like me? I'm a reader. So Cameron, who's the co-owner with me, is a collector. He has collected since he was six. Um, I will not tell you his age because he will be fully offended, but he's 
three weeks older than me. Um, but <laughs> he's been collecting since the late seventies, and um, <laughs> he's a total collector. Like we have, you know, storage units full of his books. He puts them in my light too. So he's a very serious collector, and he's always been a DC guy, which is kind of ironic now that we distribute wow. them. Great. He has been full DC ever since. I mean, since he was a child. His first comic was Green Lantern. I hope I get this right. It was Green Lantern either 80 or 90. And then it was Superman, I think, 203 or something like that. It was Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. But I am the reader. (laughs) So I don't care care what my books look like. I don't care if they're half the covers ripped off. I just want to read it. I want to know what's going on. And I can hand it to somebody else and I can read it. Um, so we actually are yin and yang in that respect in the business. Wow. So do you have a, a favorite ongoing series right now? Um, I'll be honest with you. I haven't read a comic in a year because I haven't had a time to breathe in a year. Um, when Lunar first like started, um, I was working 80-hour weeks. And I think I went 63 full days without a day off. Um, it was brutal and the mental health uh, of of me and anyone around me wasn't the best, um, but we got a lot of stuff done. Right. Um, and so I really haven't had a chance to read anything. Um, let me think, I, I'm trying to think, I, every once in a while I'll be able to even read a PDF. I haven't even had time to do that. So I, I'm not proud of that, by the way, because I do like to know what's going on, but Cameron is the one who, to the every week, he reads all of the new DC, releases all you know anything else but he's pretty much i mean i think he really all he gets to is dc still um because of how busy we've been well you know i i can't say enough uh i I mean the courage that it took you guys to jump into this endeavor i don't think people realize uh how big of a thing this was You, you you jumped into this crazy distribution responsibility where we weren't even at our peak. So, you know, right now, uh, uh, what was it that motivated you that truly kept you motivated to start an endeavor like this where, you know, like when we started, we're the newest kids on the block. We started off, there was 3,300 shops nationwide. There's currently, I think, 2,200. And I mean, what keeps you motivated to jump into an industry that, I mean, we, we can, as customers to a distributor, we can be assholes. Let, let, let's keep it real. I mean, we, we're pretty demanding about our books because our customers are demanding about, you know, the condition of books and stuff. What, what keeps you motivated to do this? Uh, I, I mean, from Cameron and I both come from a retail background. So we started in a department store, actually. Um, so like we've always had that customer first mentality. And when we started, even in our little basement, you know, when we initially started DCBS, it was all based on making sure that the customer was taken care of to our, to the best of our ability. I mean, it was, it was an endeavor, but like, honestly, it was, we've got to figure something out. Right. So it wasn't, it, when somebody comes to you that you want to, to help and you want and, and really, it, most retailers don't believe this. They think, you know, it was some crazy, you know, evil plan of ours to, like, get all of their information, which to me, I'm, I'm not sure what we would do with that information because we don't do that. Like, we just we run our business and we try to 
continue to grow our business like any other retailer. Um, but when the distribution thing came up, it was like, look, we've got to help all these other shops out. Like, we don't want people going out of business. We want people, we, we don't want the industry as a whole to, to just, um, you know, like just explode or implode really. Like we thought if this is what's going to help even 50% of shops be able to stay in business for how many months longer? Cause I mean, it's hard for us to remember now, right? It's been a year. But a year ago, we were looking at, we don't know how long this is going to last right? and what, you know, and, and what it means. Like it could have been a much bigger, worse scenario. Um, so we were all just kind of just trying to figure it out. So we just thought, let's do it. And obviously, I mean, DC didn't make that decision lightly, um, but it was a very quick, it wasn't like we had six months um, like PRH does right now to, to figure right. things out. We had three weeks to onboard as many people, and, you know, and that was the other thing. We didn't know how many people it was going to be. It could have been a thousand. It could have been 30, you know, we, but we built systems as quickly as we could. And, and the first thing that we thought is, okay, what are the things that we've heard in retailer summits? Cause we go to a lot of them, um, you know, that people are asking for that maybe diamond haven't been able to, you know, really like put within their system because maybe it's it's a diff- too difficult to put in their system. Or what are the things that we as a retailer wish we had and have heard from other retailers that they wish they had? And so we tried to build that in initially with our system and we're lucky because, you know, we built it from the ground up. So we're able to, we don't have to patch things and figure out how to make it work within the system like because we made the system. Um, so, so we were lucky in that respect, not easy, still wasn't easy because we were onboarding people. And at the same time, trying to figure out four different or well, three specific different POS systems. And then everyone has, you know, like some people write it on paper. Some people put it in an Excel cell spreadsheet. Like there's everyone's an independent contractor really. Right. Right. So they have different ways of inputting their product or getting their product. And then, you know, data is always an issue. It is for everybody. And, and so you're trying to cover all those bases. That that was the most difficult part of it. Was that was was it wasn't even it was just like oh there's another person who has this other thing that they need to do. So we were like okay what's the best way to do this? Get them a CS you know a file that they can delete you know columns that they don't need and they can figure out ways to get it up into their system. Like it was a constant like reimagining and upgrading and okay. And I mean, our, our developer, you know, his list is a mile long every day. Um, and, and it became exponentially. So he's a genius. Um, everyone who knows, oh, yeah. he, I mean, he, he is the one we've worked with many developers over the years. We, he works for us um, solely, but he got it. He got the comic business like no one else did when it came to that. So, you know, we're lucky to have him. He understands and he can tell us, no, I, or this is how I think it would work better. It's really, it's really great. Um, and if you don't have a good developer, you're kind of screwed in this business. <laughs> well, we, we were really pleased because, uh, uh, so we use us, we did not do the diamond uh, point of sale system because, it, so I have a military and a, a, a military and law enforcement background. My wife was an emergency dispatcher. We, we were both, we, we met, uh, 
when I was a baby trooper out here, and she's been telling me what to do ever since. It drives me nuts, but I, I, I just can't make it. And it's uh, never going to end. It's never going to end. But, <laughs> but the yeah, one, you know, I, I can tell you one of the concerns from the shops at the time. Obviously, uh, I'm a straight shooter. If we thought for a second that this was actually happening, we'd never do business with you. The concern from a lot of shops, in particular when Midtown had the other portion, and it turns out now that we've become very friendly with Midtown, especially like on Pop Shop Live and stuff. But um, the concern wasn't really about the information. That, that's nonsense. The concern was, was, was DCBS, who, who you were, right? But you, you, I understand that you guys have separated, uh, uh, you know, church and state, so to speak, at least on paper. And and we can get into that in a sec, because we had a couple of questions uh, from our, our people here. And just to give you a, some feedback on our YouTube channel, we're, we're made up of a network of, it, it's family here. We've, we've got three men in the basement here, spine ticks. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have pressable defects on here in just a minute. We have people, uh, we've got Phil uh, from Comic Talk, who's I mean, these guys are phenomenal shows that are out there. We all had similar concerns. And the concern was, was DCBS going, now that they owned the distribution, like Midtown at, at the time, were you going to take unfair advantages of ratio variants and special books that, that uh, using one of the rumors was, and we know it's not true, but we, I think that people need to hear it from you, is one of the rumors was that you were going to use our numbers to qualify for incentive ratio variants and stuff. Can you can you address that? First of all, I would have never even thought of that. So like- You're welcome, I just gave you the scam. No, I'm just kidding, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. All the time, like when people come up with outlandish- Right. I'm like, we don't even, like that's, I wouldn't have even, and I've never heard that one by the way, because I've heard lots of conspiracy theories about us. Um, I don't even know how that would work because like DC sees all of the numbers. They see exactly who buys what, um, they see how they qualify. Um, and it's all a formula in the system and DCBS is a separate company, just like everyone else is. And they're just a customer of Lunar. And just because Cameron and I own it and believe me, Lunar is our baby now, like the DCBS and ISD have been our babies for years but they're running smoothly, you know, as smoothly as they can in a pandemic. You know, we have great people running those businesses for us. And so we have taken a very, you know, like I'm, we're control freaks anyway, we always have been. Um, but that, no, I mean, in fact, and, and this is a, a rumor that a lot of people say too, um, that, you know, like we get, we take stock so that we, you know, like if something sells out that, you know, we take all the rest of the stock. We don't do that. Like DCBS, gets orders for pre-orders and that's what we fill. We we don't speculate on anything. We don't buy, we will usually have like a 5%. Um, I'll be totally transparent about this. We hit the deadline for diamond at the end of, you know, like at the end of the month, because we do initial orders. We don't do FOCs. We just right. never have. So we take our initial order. Our system knows when we run out of those initial orders and it just places, re, you know, like it creates reorders that we have to upload. Um, as we run out of those extras, but like at the initial order, we do add 5% to cover our late orders. Cause that's generally about what we see in late orders every month. That's it. And then once it runs out of extras, 
then it just reorders the copies that we need. Like our business wouldn't run properly if we did speculation on anything. So we don't just order extra copies um, because we think they're going to be hot. Like none of that, like there's no speculation in any of our business. It's all formulas and it gets uploaded and you know, it, it goes to Lunar. Um, so the fact that anyone would think that we would do that is crazy. In fact, it's so separate that there are times where D, my DCS CSRs will, will send me an email and say, hey, you know, have a question about something else. Like, didn't you read the email we sent you last week? Like, it's that separate. Like, and then I'll have to tell them, you need to look at the email to see if the, if you put those up on the site. Like, it's, it's not, it, it, it really isn't what people think. But the one thing I do want to tell you, is everybody gets picked every week based on their transit times. So the internationals, we do have an international team. So that team does picks internationals. Then we have an internet, then we have a freight team who only picks freight shipments. It's just easier. They get to know those accounts. They can be a lot more accurate. Um, then everyone else, from day fives all the way up to business day or residential day ones, they get picked in order from the day fives all the way to one. So I'm sure everyone knows DCBS is in the same city as Lunar. So DCBS is the very last customer picked every single week. Oh, wow. So something crazy happens, and this has happened a couple of times, at least three times since we've been Lunar where the printer has shorted us a certain number of copies and we have just shorted DCBS and then we've gone ahead and gotten the copies from the printer the next week and then we've provided those to DCBS. There have been multiple times where in a replacement situation something has happened where maybe there were less damages, um, less damages um, or more damages than we had anticipated right. and you know, we don't have the replacements. We will pull them from DCBS stock just to make sure that those customers get their replacements. And we've oh, done wow. that at least a dozen times. Like, we're not going to advertise that, but we do it if we have them from DCBS. And what it might be, the only time we usually have extras is if, like, we just have people who don't pay, which, you know, we get half a dozen or so of those, you know, in a month sometimes. So we always we do have excess inventory. We don't love it. We don't want it. Um but we do sacrifice. There have been times, and I'm sure my DCS customers won't love to hear this, but these are we only do this if the customer's orders were so late, like right. a week before, because DCBS will take late orders all the way up until release day, and even after, um, or especially if it's after release, you know, and we may have to short DCBS five copies to be able to cover orders. And, and that's not, it's very rare that that happens, but it's probably happened like a dozen times in the last year. Well, I, I think that 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 puts to rest a lot of issues, right? A, a lot of questions right there. Uh, Olivia, you and had I think a, that's a, oh, that's go a good segue to go to um, Phil's question that he had, if you want to scroll up. Oh, yeah. That. Here we go. So that was a... Uh, uh, so Phil, who uh, can you can you see that one? Uh, I've been a happy DCBS customer since 2005. Is there a relationship? I, uh, what is the defined relationship between Lunar and DCBS? Okay. So Cameron and I own DCBS and we own Lunar. So that is the only relationship those two companies have. They all have separate employees. They work in separate warehouses. DCBS and Lunar are in a, there are two different Lunar warehouses right now. 
And so DCBS is in the front of one warehouse of the building we own, and Lunar is in the back of the, that warehouse. But they function completely separately. They process orders by completely different employees. There is, I mean, they pick the DCBS shipment and then they move it up to the front of the warehouse. That's as, that's as much as you see on a DCBS relationship with Lunar. Okay. All right. Yeah. So out of a curiosity, Lunar's faced like such a growth spurt with us, more comic shops open back up and, you know, you've now taken over for pretty much all of North America for DC distribution. If you, if we see some growth, you know, a lot of people with the pandemic are deciding to move on to careers they like really care about passion projects. If we see a big growth in shops opening up, are you guys going to be able to like handle that? Are you prepared for like a big boom like the 90s had in comic shops? Uh, we are, and you would be surprised. We for for the last month, I think we've ordered, we've opened thirty new shops, like thirty new accounts. Sorry, like wow. we have seen a tremendous growth in shops, and we and and we are going to be able to handle it because we're at. We just signed a, a lease deal, and it hasn't the the announcement hasn't even run yet. But we are more than doubling our warehouse space. We're moving Lunar into a completely new, it's a brand new built building um, so that we can hopefully at some point be able to wholesale Marvel. Um, and that is the plan eventually. And we've been in talks with PRH to be a wholesaler with Marvel, um, but we also um, will be adding other publishers. And we have about three contracts out right now that we're waiting to hear back and, and get signed for a small. Wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that awesome. goes in perfect to copies question. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, he asked this. Uh, now that you have Scout Comics on board, do you plan on expanding your distribution network to more independent comic book companies? Uh, I, I was interviewed by Reggie Collects, uh, representing a new shop up here. And uh, he was asking me about the Penguin uh, deal. And as of right now, I'm not even talking to them because number one, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that maybe Marvel will <laughs> will come to the light and go to. I'd rather them go to you, uh, my my, because my concern was the uh, discount threshold. You know, yeah. we, we can't survive on a 35 percent discount. That's not going to work for us. We we survive off of the 50 percent discount uh, uh, formula. At least I, I, I would I, I dare say that the majority of shops survive on that. Anything lower than that, you you can't offer discounts. You know, we offer military discount. We offer pull list discounts. Uh, I mean, because we're uh, Alaska, believe it or not, has the highest percentage of per capita of veterans in the nation up here because we have so many military bases. So we want to be able to offer those things. You can't do that if everyone starts, you know, if if, if these publishers start spreading out among 15 20 distributors and then that that uh that discount threshold shrinks so we're very happy with what you're offering us at lunar and the fact that you have scout now uh how aggressive are you guys being with uh getting these other publishers to come around because we did see uh i know that uh one of our partner uh youtube channels interviewed the ceo of boom and uh, they were kind of coerced into a, I don't want to put words in this mouth, but it's sure as hell sounded as being coerced into signing a long-term contract with Diamond. So, I mean, how aggressive are you guys uh, in, in this endeavor right now? Well, we've had a lot of publishers just reach out. So we've yes. been lucky. 
So um, I've reached out to some other publishers that I can't even talk about. Um, right. Some of them do have, you know, deals with Diamond at least, you know, for another year or two. Um, and so they really can't you know, do anything um, really until the, those contracts are up because Diamond was very good at getting a lot of exclusive contracts with people. Um, and I'm sure with the PRH thing, you know, they really went to all of their publishers and said, hey, we need you to, you know, we want to, we're committed and we're going to do this and and we're going to take care of your customers. I mean, my, my believe me, I was, I was devastated on two fronts with the Marvel PRH thing, right? They, because I, everyone knows I'm one of the bigger customers. So, like, I have the highest Marvel discount and it's not 50%, right. you know. And I pay, I pay freight shipping, and because I, I sell a lot of independent books too, like my shipping is negligible. It's like less than a half, less than a percent. Right. So there's there's a huge gap <laughs> in, uh, in what PRH is offering, and so I felt that I had wished that Marvel had maybe considered that a little more. And but but I mean, in the grand scheme of things. They're going to do what they think is best for their company and what they feel is best for all over stores. So I understand that. Um, but it's still, you know, we're still trying to figure it out because, I mean, we already have discussed it with the current discount. And so are they offering Alaska stores 35%? No, they, uh, we, we don't, uh, uh, we're just hearing rumors because they won't even reach out to us. Uh, they, they've never spoken to us. At all, uh, I, like you, like I you guys with the giving everyone fifty with free freight. Yeah, uh, that's not what we heard, and uh, and quite honestly, we're just uh, uh, I I sincerely doubt that they're going to offer us free freight. I sincerely okay. doubt <laughs> yeah. that. We're, yeah. I was like, just don't count us as international. That's yeah, I sincerely I doubt that they'll offer us that. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, we may not have a choice but to reach out to them at one point, but uh, I, I was hoping not to because uh, uh, I just like dealing with established companies and companies that demonstrate some kind of knowledge in this thing. Because I, I don't know. We don't know. what Penguin has a reputation of damaged books, too. You know, and I mean, uh, we look at so we look at the way you guys ship. And this sounds completely biased, but this is based off of actual experience. You're not sponsoring us. You, you didn't pay me before we went on this damn thing, you know. So uh, we hey, look uh, at your. I, go ahead. Do you have to go? I have to go. I'm so sorry. I've got to. I've got to get to my job, Christina. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I'm sorry I've got to cut out early. But you guys have fun. Make good choices, and I'll catch the rest of this on the rewind. <laughs> Never, never make good choices. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you and I are having a glass of wine together. I guarantee that. All right, guys. Have a great night. All right. So later, Amy. So our 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 biggest concern right now, uh, you know, is uh, sustainability, right? Because we, if if, well, let me get to to my first point. The way you guys package right now. You're literally your 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 team is definitely demonstrating uh, not just uh, uh, a love for for the industry, but a love for the the product that they're selling. Just based off of the fact of how things get packaged, we've had I watched my boxes getting kicked 
by the mail staff at the UPS store because the box was too heavy. So they're literally, you know, if you see a diamond box and you see somebody picking up a diamond box sideways, you know books are already damaged. That's 100% a book is bent in half, 100%. When they do that with your books, I just showed Olivia today how the bubble wrap, the the you, you've made it goon-proof as, as much as you can. And, you know, you, you, your, your people stack the books the way it, as if a collector would do it. So my first, my, my question would be, uh, uh, are, are, are all your staff members readers and collectors? I mean, did they, uh, I mean, how did you select this staff and how did you keep them motivated to, to produce what they're producing? Because Diamond has not been able to do that since the 1990s. They're still right. sending stuff looking like uh, uh, they beat it against the wall before they sent it to us. Well, I, our staff is taught that the product's valuable. So that's the first thing, right? And that, um, I mean, our warehouse manager is so focused on making sure that there really has to be no uh, follow-up with customer service for those types of issues. I mean, obviously, Cameron's a collector, but I also, you know, in D for DCBS, we're the same way. We've always, we've spent years trying to kind of perfect um, the system and with you lunar we had a, it was a different thing right because we knew they were going to be larger packages they were going to be multiple you know books possibly sometimes a full printer box so we really that was the, the, t the thing that took us the most time was figuring out exactly we had specific boxes made um, for that um, we had the, the diamond 200s is what they called them and then we took those to our box company because we have custom boxes made anyway for DCBS. Um, and we said, okay, we need this, but we need these to be like an inch and a quarter, you know, wider on this side and on this side so that we can put book. And we, and we figured it out with the bubble wrap and that's how we did it. Um, but I know that Diamond has historically tried to hire people so that they don't know the value because they worry about theft. And I understand that, but I think that that kind of does them a disservice sometimes. Um, I can tell you, but I get my shipments straight. So, you know, I have not usually had an issue with Diamond. Um, I haven't for years. I mean, maybe when I was first getting them and I only got, you know, a box or two. But once I, I reached a freight position, um, really it was more like, you know, the freight driver ran a port lift through it or something like that. And sometimes per piece, because like we would have reorders, some of those were in the box and we were like, oh my gosh, who thought that was okay? But I think that they were just picking things so fast that they really, if you don't have that attention to detail, you know, and, and we just train them that way. Like they just have to know what a damage is. And if they don't, they're, they're not going to last. They just aren't going to last with us. All right. Well, it, it, that's, that's critical for us because we, we, we've, Hell, we just lost a customer because of, uh, like, the, for instance, the, hell, their mislabeling of books, that carnage, uh, black, white, and red. They they labeled everything the Eastman variant when it was actually another one, and it just aggravated customers and all kinds of stuff. So it, it, it it's very comforting to know that your staff uh, uh, understands the value of the books understands that it's a well well understands it's a valuable commodity and the fact that diamond is notoriously using or selecting people that don't know the value of books i think that's i mean that's nonsensical it, it, it's 
from my military I, background, I can say this. I can say that there's two types of uh, uh, people in business or in military service or paramilitary service. You have your leaders and your managers, okay? And for those of us that understand that, and I feel like you truly understand that, there's a difference between the leader and the manager, a significant difference. Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, what in, uh, what do you... Well, number one, which are you? Are you a leader or a manager? I think I know the answer to this one, but what would you say you are? And I hate to put you on the spot like this, but I like difficult questions like this. Um, I'm definitely, you know, it's funny. There are people who are only leaders and only managers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For a long time, I've been a manager. I'm just a manager. I know how to manage people. Um, it's funny. My daughter's in tennis right now. So I'm going to use this analogy because... Um, I just recently started working with a fitness trainer because, you know, this business has not been good to me. Like stress levels, whatever. I'm getting ready to turn 50. I got to start taking better care of myself. So I started seeing this fitness trainer and our our youngest, Karis, because we have four children. Um, Karis is going to, is in tennis and her coach is just horrific. He's not a coach. He doesn't coach the kids. And so we would go to these meets and he would bring them to the fence and I could hear him talking to them and he'd say, that was a terrible game. That's the worst game I've ever seen. That's it. He wouldn't actually say to them things like, um, okay, I see you're struggling here. Um, what I'm noticing is when you're serving, you're bending back or, you know, whatever. Like it, it's, that's the difference between somebody who can coach, which is also managing, right? And then somebody who can just lead a team to go to – to the courts and not actually show them what they're supposed to do and, and, and help encourage them. And tennis is great. I played it in high school. I loved it. Um, <laughs> I was a doubles player. My daughter's a, a number one doubles player. And so I know that I can help her, but I just have to help her after the fact. Um, but when I was talking to my fitness coach about it, he said, that's exactly why you could coach because you know how to manage people. You know how to motivate people um, differently. And so you know, our managers know how to do that. They know that there are people who you can yell at them or not yell at them, but just get really firm and almost angry and it motivates them. Um, but you also know the people who, if you do that, it just, they just fold in and they can't work for you. They can't do anything. So you have to find those people and you have to do that. If you can't motivate different types of people on your team, you're never going to have a strong team. It's just, it's, it's not possible. And our team, uh, when I was talking to one of the publishers a couple of weeks ago, our team is like a family. And I, well, I mean, and by the way, there's family that works for me. Like my children, my oldest manages our DCBS warehouse. Her husband manages the Lunar Warehouse. And they're phenomenal. And they've been with us for years and years. And they know exactly what they're doing. They're young enough that they know you know, how to, they're old enough, but young enough, right? So they can, they can lead people, but they can also manage them properly. And we are a family business. We always have been. And all of our children have worked for us in some capacity at some point. Um, But it's important to look at people and say, okay, this person does not do this well. How can I help them? Or how can one of my managers who is very good at like explaining detail or who can maybe give them a different attack, like come at it from a different angle to help them explain something so that they understand it. Um, and, and so I think 
I've always been that type of person. I've always been the problem solver and the person who can, I'm the oldest, by the way, of three girls. I'm the one who like, you know, my youngest is the baby and she tends to be emotional and she'll even say that to me. And then this middle one is like really strong and, you know, and, and there's always conflict. And I'm the one who always tries to kind of bring us together and I'm always the, the diplomat in the situation. And so I've done it from when I was young and now I just do it in my own life and my business life. Well, uh, I'm laughing to myself. I'm like, you just described all the uh, all the attributes of a leader. So, <laughs> so it, because I've seen, you know, I've seen the difference, and I've seen when when people just stick to the management. When I'm talking about the management, I'm talking about the numbers and the, you know, the, and I that's critical too. We need that also. Every business needs that. But I feel like the reason that your competitor is failing is because this individual has surrounded himself with maybe they're yes people or maybe they're just stuck in an era and they've never progressed. They've never, they've never moved on to the next, to understand people like Olivia, to understand uh, uh, our younger staff here at the shop and understand, you know, to understand our younger customers, you know, uh, and I understand now I also understand what you're talking about, how this plate, you know, the, this business does wear you down. I'm actually 22 years old, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. No, 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 I just turned. I just turned 51. But I, I, there's days that this place makes you feel like it's. It, it, you know, I feel a lot older. But there's, you know, uh, I, I've been spitting this quote out uh, uh, for for a couple of weeks now because I just heard a. Uh, it was on the documentary about comic book shops. Uh, if you watch uh, Comic Book Country, my Comic Book Country. That is such a phenomenal. Uh, uh, it, it, it's it's a documentary. It's called uh, My Comic Book My Comic Book Country, and it's on uh, Amazon. Okay. And the guy who directed it, his comic book shop closed down, and he's just talking about the whole industry. So he goes from shop to shop, talking to all these different shops, while also telling the story of his shop and how it affected him and how its community and how critical it was. And one of the people that he interviewed, and by the way, he, he went to different types of shops. So like he went to a shop that was kind of like ours originally. We were we were actually on the on the second floor of this building where we're at. So you, it, it felt like almost like a you were going to a secret club to get into our comic book shop. And now because we have a, 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 some of our key customers, like Austin, who I believe is a, in, in, in the chat right now, he's wheelchair bound. So we needed something where he could come in and have access, and we basically deputized him as an assistant manager here at the shop. But uh, um, our big thing watching this show was uh, these different shops, they all had the same complaint about the one distributor. They All of them. Uh, it, it, I think there was like nine shops. He had Torpedo Comics on there. He had... Uh, uh, um, uh, Newtown, the cave in Newtown, Connecticut, which I believe is the LCS for the three men in the basement there. There's all these different different shops from all over the nation. They all had the same, the similar uh, feelings about, you know, community, how, you know, this business is nothing like any other business in the world, you know, where we're, you want a book, you got to order it two months in advance, you know, that type of stuff, which already adds a challenge to us. Yeah. And then our, nothing about it. Other than what they're telling you, right? And so the problem with this business, and this goes on to what I was, what I've been rambling on 
now is that comic book shops literally can make you cry and at the same time bring so much happiness all in the same day. And I say that because, uh, and I agreed with this guy in this documentary because uh, we, you start establishing relationships with people at the shop. I used to be a trooper. I was a sergeant with the Alaska State Troopers. I have customers that come here that I've arrested before. This is like this is like Switzerland here. It's uh, it, everybody gets a second chance here. No politics allowed to be spoken in the shop. You want to argue about. Iron Man versus Batman or Moon Knight, that's fair game, you know. And people come here and you start establishing these relationships. You start to learn things about people and what their motivations are and what what they see as a superhero or what they see, you know, as the conflict between good and evil and everything else. It becomes community. It becomes like a Cheers, uh, an episode of Cheers every single day. And when their books come in damaged or when their books don't come in at all, or when their orders are just completely just wrong. And it's not anything that you as the shop did, but it was the distributor. It's somebody outside of your control. It just stresses you out because you're constantly apologizing for this third party. So mm-hmm. that's why we count on people like you well, who, have, who are similarly motivated to get right. things right. But they also, like after a while, you feel like they think you're lying to them, right? <laughs> Yeah. Like, I swear to you, you like, you know, we've had this issue with a dark horse book trying to come in and like they will email customer service and customer service will say, well, we were shorted again this week. And they're starting to not believe us. And we're like, really, we are. And there are times where we'll actually have to email Diamond and say, can you do a bin check on this? You know, because every week you say you're sending it to us and you're not. And so we think that, you know, it might, and there, there have been times where they say, yeah, that's, it's not there. Like right. we thought, we think there, the system thought it was there, you know. So I understand, and that's the other thing. There are two things that my, that my employees fear me, okay? If they screw up a customer's order, or if they cost me a lot of money by screwing up that order. So those mm-hmm. are the two things. Because there are times where they send something to an international customer who, that's very wrong. Um, not very wrong, but like very wrong to them, which can be three things. But, right. you know, we we had early on, we had an incident where they sent somebody like three additional omnibuses. And they were like in Australia. And, and so we just told them to keep them because they didn't want to be billed for them. Right. And we still had to give them freight credit because they, you know, paid the extra amount, even though they just got three $125 omnibuses. You know, free essentially, they still wanted a freight credit. So we did it because that was the right thing to do. Um, my employees know that that's a big deal for two reasons. We just shorted the entire inventory three omnibuses that we could sell to other retailers. And then the other thing is that it costs us a lot of money, and the amount of money that it takes, and Diamond will tell you this, this distribution, it's not a giant moneymaker. You know, it's a very small margin, and so you mess those margins up, right? So you really need to be super accurate. You have to be super accurate with everyone. Um, but that's why we said, okay, with international, you need this kind of, for lack of a better term, elite team. The whole team is elite, but, you know, a team that's very aware. We have certain international customers who 
only order hardcovers and trades. So there is a person who takes care of that customer every week to make sure, you know, it's as accurate as possible. Um, and so we do go above and beyond in those respects. Now, you also have to consider we only have DC and now we have Scout, but we don't have 70 publishers that we're dealing with. So, you know, we want to make sure that we can continue to do this even one day when we have 70 publishers. Um, we haven't had 30 years to, to work it out, um, so we're hoping that you guys give us a little time. We're going to do our best all the way through. <laughs> but, right. um, you know, we plan to build on what we have, and we feel that our systems are really great, in just even within the warehouse, um, for pick and everything like that. So uh, we know we can do it. Um, it's just it's going to take some time for us to build it and, you know, to add people and get things right. And, a lot of these smaller publishers, you know, aren't on FOC. So that's even a learning curve for anybody, like when they have to have books to us buy, because that's one thing as a distributor that I'm not going to tolerate and that, that has always bothered me about Diamond. And it's really one of the, the only thing is that they will allow certain publishers to be so late with their product. And it's not fair. It's not fair to the customer. It's not fair to the retailer. If you say that you're going to have this book in, then it better be in on time or at least within a week or two. I shouldn't be waiting almost a year for a dynamic courses book that you solicited, you know, to just be signed that we know released on time. You know, those are the things that shouldn't happen. Then you, they should be canceled and I shouldn't have to worry that they're going to show up two years later and I'm going to have to pay for that. Yeah, that, 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 that's funny that you say that because uh, uh, I know on one of our podcasts we were educating people on what FOC was, that it, it actually came from, it's essentially from case law where Marvel and Diamond were sued. And I think uh, Diamond, what they forgot to mention was, yeah, it was just Marvel and, and Diamond that were the defendants in that, but the findings apply for everyone that is similar. So uh, 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 essentially whether it be DC or Absolute Comics or any of these other publishers, at any time, the retailers could go back, file another lawsuit, and cite the same case law. And for those of you that understand courts, uh, I mean, I, I used to answer to the chief justice here in Alaska, so all I did was hear case law all day. Uh, I was in charge of security at one point uh, with the troopers for them, but... That's another story. But the big thing was that they love, as judges love established case law. That would be an, an easy win. So you would think the Diamond and their staff would just be like, hey, guys, let, let's just make this easy. FOC, if you can't make FOC, we're not distributing for you because you're just going to upset everybody and, mm -hmm. it, or give realistic uh, uh, deadlines. Yeah, but you notice that they re-FOC it. So it's like... Yeah. You know, FOC it every month. What is the, there's, it's, that loses the purpose of it. And it, it, those are specifically with dynamic forces. That just drives me crazy. I can't right. stand that. Yeah. You know, and the, this is the other thing. We don't FOC. So we just sit and wait. Like, I'm not going to check the FOC every week to see if, you know, DF Batman number one that came out three years ago is on FOC again. 
Yeah, we, yeah, we just got a DF Batman, and, and and on top of that, it was encapsulated backwards. So we're not even we're not even doing that anymore. We we've yeah. shown that at Exhaust. Uh, 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 we've exhausted everyone with that one. But uh, uh, Olivia had uh, two questions. Oh, right. Uh- a little bit more lighthearted. We've talked a lot about how you're how you've been growing. You've been prepping for growth. You're you know doubling your warehouse space. Uh, how else are you uh, preparing for the potential demise of Diamond? Because honestly, you guys are kicking their butts in a lot of regards. Just from an outside perspective, it seems. I hope I have a lot of friends at Diamond, and I hope that there isn't an ultimate demise of Diamond because I have worked with them for 22 years. I love them. I know they care as much about the industry as I do. Um, we are always concerned. I mean, we, I, I can tell you right now, I don't even know how many publishers they have. I have to go into the DCBS system and look it up. They have a lot of publishers that, that and because DCBS is so big, I mean, we at least probably sell five copies of every single book that they even offer, right? So, like, it would be very difficult for DCBS to deal with the demise of Diamond. We want Diamond to, I, this is the thing, I want strong distributors so that they can continue to make me competitive. If we don't, like, PRH has made me even rethink, okay, what do I have to do even better? Uh, what are they doing that retailers are really, not, which, by the way, there's no way we can do that's just not even an option for us. Um, we looked at the numbers and we were seriously like, is there a way? No, it, there's no way. Um, so we have to figure out, we have to be the best. We have to make sure we get things there accurately in the best condition possible. And that's you know the best that we can do. Um, we are working with DC right now to do a new store program. We're working with DC to do... Um, you know, like fun marketing things that are going to help grow the, the industry, hopefully, right? Because that's the key. Oh, that's what all of us want. Um, you know, I, I hope that Diamond figures it out. I Maybe with the loss of Marvel, they can sit down and they can regroup and they can say, okay, these are the issues that we've had. And now that our two biggest publishers, you know, aren't being just, and they're still going to distribute Marvel. And there's still going to be a lot of stores that probably still get Marvel through Diamond. But it's going to be a lot less. Um, you know, the bigger accounts are not because PRH is probably going to give them a better deal. And, and a better deal in that it's just 50% and free shipping because I don't think Diamond can offer free freight as well. But my hope is that they sit down and they say, okay, now that we've kind of, you know, shrunk, let, let's, do the, let's do this. Let's get it right. Let's figure it out. Let's, let's, let's make, you know, create some solutions here so that we can you know, continue to have a competition here, right? Um, I mean, I, I think that's what's great about comic shops, too, is, like, I always get upset when I hear comic shops and, well, they're my competitor and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's what makes us all better, right. is having competition and making sure that we're doing right by our customers. I don't, the, the majority of my customers are customers who don't have a comic shop within an hour and a half of them. And there are a lot of those customers. And some customers who just, their comic shops have treated them like garbage. And so they've come to us. And we try to take care of them as well as we can. Um, and yes, you're going to have people who go to us just for the price. But they may not be buying comics at all if they, if, 
you know, if they had to pay cover price. I don't know. Um, so there's so many customers out there. We need to figure out how to get more of them, not fight over the ones everyone else has. You know, that's the uh, we had a question from uh, Mark Clayton, Olivia. If you want to field, uh, sure. Uh, this one. Uh, with Marvel's move uh, to Penguin, do you think that there's opportunity for them to expand and having Amazon distribute comics for them? And how would that affect you guys? I don't. Amazon doesn't want to mess with comics. They don't. The, the, the margin is so low, and the we care more about the condition of the product that we get. If you notice recently, um, since the pandemic, if you look on Amazon for collected editions, they're barely discounting them. And what that means to me is that they're tired of having to replace them all the time because Amazon isn't great with packaging. Mm. But they don't want to have to change their processes and there's no margin in 399 comic books. There just isn't. I, don't, I truly don't believe that's Mar- Marvel's Goal. I think that Marvel saw DC leaving Diamond, and the only and I think one of the big reasons they didn't come to us is because we own DCBS. I, I, no one has told me this, by the way. This is just my pure speculation. Right. But I think they didn't want the backlash from the retailers, and they thought, okay, we're going to go to this book distributor who has you know a, a reputation for at least taking care of the independent bookstores. Now, that's not to say, and this is what has surprised me, is that retailers haven't thought, oh, now that PRH has, has you know, the direct market business, what if now they start selling them to all a bunch of independent bookstores? Like, it, it's funny that they acted as if we were a conspiracy of, like, trying to take all their business, but they didn't, the first question wasn't like, wait, they have thousands of independent bookstores that they could be selling comics to. Yeah. It, it, you know, <laughs> it, it, there, there, well, we had people give up the, uh, there was a, a, <laughs> a, we had one conversation one time among uh, the, the channels where uh, it was coming up that, uh, oh, it, you may see comic books back in gas stations and everything else. And let me, I answered the way I, I, I thought was correct, which was I 100% doubt that. And the reason I doubt that is because Joe, who's there to get his Newport cigarettes, is not going to give you the time to go in there, look through the comics, and ask questions about comic books. And it's not the same model as it was, you know, in the 80s and 90s, where it was a great place to introduce comic books to new readers that's just that environment's not the same anymore especially and now with the new with with, uh many of the covid restrictions and everything else uh and hell i grew up in queens new york and most of the grocery stores the bodegas and stuff that or the places that i went to get newsstand copies they all have bulletproof glass now you can't even get to the books you have to tell the grocery attendant to go grab a book for you and slide it through the glass that's not happening so Uh, we don't see that happening ever again. Uh, it's going to be comic book shops and maybe some some form of online distribution. You know, DCBS has been a lead in that for for years. My understanding, right? Midtown online sales. Uh, we're trying to jump into it uh, uh, the best we can because you guys make us better. Uh, I I feel that we make our competitor better. Uh, Bosco's and. Uh, Randy up in uh, Fairbanks. I think that we we lit a fire under their asses because they were the only shows in town. So here we are, 
and uh, uh, we're, we're here to stay. So I, I get that competition makes us better. That that's 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 the best language that people can use if they're trying to survive in, in any industry. And I also know that the new books, the new titles, since there's no there's no true profit margin in it, that just gets people into our shop where we're making our money is the back issue bins. If we can get people to come into the shop, get hooked on the books, and then want to take a look at where these stories historically came from, that's one way of getting them or to reconnect with their parents and their parents' heroes and stuff. That's how that's how we sell it at our shop anyway. We kind of embrace kind of the torpedo comics model in many ways. But uh, uh, I mean... The, the other thing that we'd like to see from, like, for instance, DC is more of these kids' books, like that Scooby-Doo Batman and that kind of stuff. That stuff is just fire in the shop because uh, the kids' books fly off the, off the racks. Uh, let me see. We, oh, uh, here's a lighthearted question real quick. Uh, Stephen M., who is your favorite pro tennis player? <laughs> that is um, my favorite tennis – my favorite pro – I just talked to my fitness coach about this. My daughter's is Roger Federer. And she loves him. We've watched every YouTube, whatever. Mine was Mats Wielander. Now, no one probably knows him unless they know tennis in the late 80s and the early 90s. But he was my favorite. I cannot remember if he was Austri- Austrian, I believe. And he was my absolute favorite. Um, and, and no one knows him. But he, I would literally sit in front of the TV you know, before streaming days, and I would wait for one of his matches to come on. And you couldn't get me away from the TV. It was crazy. You know, it's funny. Uh, we uh, uh, we have a uh, uh, oh yeah, that's true. Shauna's correct. Shauna's uh, one of our team members. She's like, hey, adults buy these kids comics too, which is true. I mean, but uh, 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 we also have. Uh, let me see here. We have uh, Tony Trimbetta. He owns a EGS a grading service. He's the CEO founder of EGS, and he created that based off of the fact that he was upset with uh, uh, how the industry was handling grading books. He was upset with how CGC and uh, even CBCS was handling the grading of books. So he decided to start his own grading service and provide the services that he would want to see as a customer. And as a result, uh, I mean, you got CGC now hiring more graders and you've got CBCS. uh, uh, They teamed up with Beckett and they're beefing up their game. Both both companies have now uh, started developing better uh cases so yeah competition makes us better now olivia you had another question for her oh right uh you're we've we've already talked how you're uh you're looking to expand you're in some talks with people already so uh you're you are prepared to accommodate more publishers right oh yeah and like what 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 does that look like on your end like what's internally Um, going on when you're prepping for more so usually what happens is they'll reach out um, through the service at lunardistribution.com email. And then the CSRs will, they, they know to forward those to me. And then I'll just ask a couple questions. I usually ask them to send physical submissions just so that we can consider them. And if they're they're already uh, being distributed through Diamond, I will even go in to the DCBS system and just see how it how we're selling it. Um, because we have a, that's a great tool for me to find out how well it's being received just by like a fairly large customer base. Then we'll set up a Zoom call, kind of give them the deal. It's it's not a difficult deal. The only difference is that we don't do like a buy sell proposition like Diamond. Like they all own their own inventory and they're on FLC immediately, and they just 
email me if you do the Zoom call if they have questions or more questions that you'll follow up. And if they're interested in working with us, then we send them like a, a draft contract to look over. We chat with them about any questions with that. And it, it's pretty it's pretty simple. Uh, here's another tough one, Olivia. Oh, uh, are you planning on starting an online pull box system? Um, <laughs> oh, she hesitated. <laughs> no, we're not. I mean, I, I'll be honest. Um, everybody has so many different systems. That I think it'd be difficult. Um, not just that. Um, I think the distributor needs to be needs to provide the service of making sure you get you're you're aware of all the books that are available you can easily order those books um you can have as much information as we can be provided by the publishers um so that you can make those decisions well um get them to you in a great condition allow you to to give you as many tools as as we can to be able to help you make those decisions but when it comes to like the pull box thing to me that's like a business's thing right because everybody has a different idea of how they'd like it to work or how what would work best for them and it would be it would be almost like trying to create a pos system which i don't want to do <laughs> okay. um, because it would be too difficult um i think that there are ways and, and, and by the way this is something that that i know diamond did they've had a lot of problems with it not on their end really but they had a lot of problems getting marvel wouldn't even i could sign up for it um and they really wanted all publishers to be on board um it would be something that absolutely if we had a huge like this is what we need this is the way that it's going to allow us to make us grow it'd be put on the list and we try to figure it out um but right now i don't think that's the biggest thing that that shops need. I think shops need to have really good product coming into their stores. I think it needs to be on time. I think it needs to be at the right price. And I think that they need to be given as much information as they can get to make those choices. Um, and to, to bring it in front of their customers and really like, you know, like Batman Fortnite would have been great if we had another two or three weeks to really kind of get a feel for what our customers wanted so that we could have made a better informed decision about how many we should have been ordered. Okay. Yeah, we, we I, I, oh yeah, that was another one too, that, that Fortnite. But <laughs> oh man, I haven't even heard about this one. Oh, God. oh thank God. Oh, thank God. Well, that makes me scared now. <laughs> thank God. There were some people in the industry though that were telling everybody not to order it. So I think that was the biggest problem. Right. So they were just saying, hey, that's not important. That's kind of like a that's dumb thing. And it's like, wait a second, Fortnite is literally the largest, crazy, yes. whatever. It took over the entire nation over the last few years. Why wouldn't you just ask your customers about it, right? And be like, hey, I, you know, what do you think of this Batman Fortnite? And the, but, but I think that, that we probably could have done a better job. And I'm saying we as a collective DC Lunar. Yeah. Um, of of making that um, sale better, right? And and making and making the the opportunity or our perceived opportunity. But I know that shop. I know how this is because I I've been doing it a long time. 
you hear that from everybody. Oh, this is the next greatest, biggest thing, you know, and right. like, it's like everything's the next biggest, greatest thing, right? I mean, you hear that from everyone. You hear that from Image and Boom and Dark Horse. And, you know, I mean, so it's, it's hard to kind of finagle through all of that and figure out really what your... Yeah, the, 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 I think the execution on that was a, a, a little weak just because... Uh, like like Shauna pointed out, uh, uh, you got a free skin in Fortnite if you purchased the book. That would have been, had we known that, oh Lord, we would have been, uh, we probably would have quadrupled our order on that because we have so many Fortnite players and that have been sweeping through the. Show. It drove me crazy. What what hair I had left is gone now. That it's gone. It, it's a cool problem though. That's a good problem. Okay, so that people are still interested, and that so. I try not to be so negative because number one, it, it ages you more. And yeah. it just, it, this should be a happy, a happy niche. It really should, right? And so that is fantastic news that so many new readers are excited about that particular, uh, about jumping into the book. For exactly. what us hardcore readers sometimes are like, that is absolutely ridiculous. That storyline's ridiculous. But they don't care about that. They want the free skins. They want to get in that book. They want to see how it relates to the most popular video game on the planet right now. I'll admit, uh, I'm intrigued and would pick it up. Yeah. And I don't even play Fortnite. Yeah, it's just crazy stuff like that. It's crazy. I tell you, I had, um, actually, it was my doctor who I'm, friendly, I'm good friends with, and her daughter is a friend of my daughter. And she said to me that her son had, like, it was like $150 worth of Fortnite upgrades like a year or two ago. Like she didn't know. He got a hold of her credit card. Those kids, it's like crazy. So isn't it perfect? You get them, you know, hooked on Batman and there you go. That's all you need to do. It's like printing money. It's well, like printing exactly. money. Absolutely. It's printing money. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. it, but it, it works. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we joke about it. But the fact that, uh, I mean, I've got, uh, hell, we had personal family members that are like, and it's the typical, which I love, because now that I'm a granddad, you know, it's the, okay, I need three copies because we have three boys and they're not going to share. So I need three yeah. of them. And that's, that's a cool, that's actually really, it's not because, and it wasn't that I need three because I need one to keep and grade and I need two to, you know, two to flip on eBay. Which is okay too, man. Make your money and then come back and spend those profits back at the shop. I'm cool with it. But it was kind of cool to see the old school problems. Yeah, the kids are going to fist fight if, if I don't get one for each of them. So I'm going to need you to get me. And that's why we're excited about the second and third and fourth prints. Because they, they don't care. They just want no. they just want the book, right? But, uh, that's right. Yeah, uh, the other thing that we're appreciating right now on your website is uh, uh, for us, anyways, the video, the 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 video uh, trailers. Keep those coming, please. Well, okay, that's all DC. Like, I mean, we got it set up, and so we made, we made sure that DC had asked us that that was a little stumbling block that they had with Diamond, and I think it was just to be able to serve it and have it. And I'm sorry, my dog is being an idiot and barking back now. Oh no, no, no works, no worries. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, when DC came to us and they said, hey, we have all these trailers, we'd love to. And we were like, yeah, we've been begging for this stuff. You know, let, let's do it. And we're going to offer that same opportunity to anyone who is a publisher and, and wants to put that type of stuff up there. 
we'd like to really kind of build that out. Um, we also have an idea, and it's going to be up soon, um, where all of the previous newsletters are going to be up there. So you're going to be able to like, because we ourselves, when we had a meeting with DC, we're like, we have to go back to our email and go, which, which DC direct channel was that? Where they said something about a, a change or this or that. And so we're going to make sure that's up there so you can reference things a lot more easily too. And uh, where are your distribution centers right now? They're in Fort Wayne, Indiana, okay. the big state of porn. Um, <laughs> super exciting. Um, so, yeah, no, we own um, a building downtown, and that's where the original lunar started. And then we, because of the expansion, um, and once we took over the rest of UCS customers in January, we moved into another building that was twice, or it was the same size. Um, you know, and, and we moved into that last October and then now we're still bursting at the seams and then we're, we're saying, okay, we're going to get ready. We want to wholesale Marvel. We're going to add some more publishers. We've got to have more racking, more of this, more that, you know, um, which is why we were doubling our, our space. We're actually we're tripling our space for Luna. Um, and it, it's, it's going to be amazing. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Good. But it, uh, was, it, it technically will be in New Haven, Indiana, which is like a suburb of Portland. And then, uh, now, um, uh, it was on the tip of my tongue. So we're, we're getting ready to go into uh, Comic-Con seasons up here. We're actually hosting one here in Wasilla. Uh, and what are you guys considering or thinking about doing some type of retailer conference, either virtually or otherwise in the future? Or is that something uh, uh, on your minds or is, is that far into the future? It's definitely on our minds, but this far into the future um, for two reasons. The first reason would definitely be COVID and how all of that is going to change everything like that. Um, and the second reason is that, you know, that is a huge undertaking. I would talk to the Diamond employees and it's, it's an exhausting and um, sometimes like it's a, it's a very defeating type of <laughs> um, thing. Oh, because they're just receiving complaints for like the whole week. <laughs> we just get beat up the whole weekend. Um, and, and we're willing to take, you know, punches, but we really want to make sure that we've done everything. You know, we've been able to really implement all the feedback that we've gotten at a certain point and we feel good and we feel like we're really rolling with it and we know. And then we probably, it'll be more, it, it will probably a, be a much less formal um, but it would, it might be something like, kind of like what the Diamond Breakfast used to be like at New York Comic Con or their lunch at San Diego. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't necessarily be a full-fledged weekend um, initially, but it could be something where we say, hey, we're going to have this get-together and we'd love to, you know, chat and be a little less formal and really give you, um, you know, you take your feedback and be happy to have you beat up on us a little bit. Um and, but, but we have thought about it, but we just haven't thought in like greater terms of like an actual summit. Yeah, because I, I I was thinking that you know, as if you're wearing your DCBS hat, you probably could care less about your 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 comp your competitor's demise. I'm not saying that to be malicious. I'm just I'm just <laughs> factual, right? You know, hey, that's one less person to compete with. That's on them for being idiots. Da da da. But the problem that I'm seeing right now, and it worries me, I don't want to see the shop numbers drop below 2,200. 
when one or two of my customers come in here and they start talking about how they're excited about potentially starting their own shop, I actually get excited for them. But I, I, I wish that I had the time to sit down with them and teach them about business and teach them about all the 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 do's and don'ts about opening up a comic book shop. I, I mean, we, we plan on doing a little series here at, at the shop about talking about what it's like to have a shop in Alaska with shipping and everything else. But the big thing is, you know, unfortunately in this industry, a lot of your shops are run by introverts. They're run by collectors that never get out of the collector mindset and they forget that they're in retail and customer service first collection second. And I, I it would be nice at one point to see someone in the industry step forward and say, hey, you, you 2,200 shops that you're currently in business, we want to keep you in business and we're going to offer, you know, these workshops or whatever. Even if it's, if it's for a fee, you know, they give you one, one more write-off, right, for the IRS. But to see something like that, some type of mentorship program within the industry, because I, I, I once again, I want to see... I want to see these shops grow. I want to see, I would love to see 13,000 shops like in the, in the 1990s. Cause that would keep me, I mean, I'd be going super saying here competition wise. I mean, you think we're crazy now with YouTube and stuff. I think we, I'd be doing evil Knievel ramp jumps in the parking lot to get customers to come in here. I'm not You're kidding. TikTok dances, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh dude, I, I'm already working on my TikTok stuff and all that stuff, you know, but yeah, you know, but <laughs> But you know well, what I mean? I, to, to, to get people to step it up, to, to right. get excited about the industry. Well, I will tell you, as DCBS, I don't want any shops to close. And the reason I don't is because, generally speaking, when those shops close, those customers just go away. Yeah. They, don't, they don't usually look. So I don't because I want the industry, I want to be selling, I want everybody to be selling a ridiculous amount of products, right? But the other thing is we did in the new store program that we've been developing with DC, it is really important to us for new shops to have and what we called it so far as just like a welcome packet. But with that welcome packet is things like uh, are, are going to be things like, you know, this is how FOC works. And this is what you want to keep in mind when you're budgeting your money for, you know, your month. And when you can expect your, you know, because the biggest thing is you're right about introverts. The, the other thing you're not that, that, that you didn't mention, which we have found, is that these are people who really don't know how to run a business. It's mm -hmm. not their fault. They're so passionate about it that they think, well, I can just figure it out. It's just some numbers. You know, like, I know how to keep a checkbook. But it's things like what happens when, you know, a water main bursts in your shop and you're mm -hmm. in for a week or in front of your shop or something crazy happens and you don't get your shipment for three days and then they all go to another customer like, how do you how do you create relationships with those customers um which is difficult for introverts so and by the way how do you find employees if you're not good at it that can do that for you so we do want to help shops that are new to do that, but you're right. We there are a lot of existing shops that need the same thing. Right. Um, we also need to try to figure out how, like, what their mindset is. One, because like there are a lot of shops who order very small quantities of DC product, and and I will see it and I'll think, 
So what can we do to get them to like order even two more copies of each of those books so that they can sell them? Like, are they only buying for their subs and not putting anything on the shelf? Like we're constantly in talks about that. Like I'm trying to figure out how to make these shops reach that next discount tier. Like we want everyone to be at, an, at the next discount tier. We don't want anyone at that low discount tier because we know they'll be more successful the higher their discount tier. It, but it's like, it's the never ending, yeah, like I guess we'd all be, you know, living on yachts and, and, and buying our own <laughs> figure that out, right? Right. True. No, no I, 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 I think uh, uh, w one of the things is that people, when they get into this business that they have to realize, yeah, it's the customer service, the figuring out the orders. I think one of the, our secret weapon right now is our friends on these channels. I'm not mm -hmm. kidding about this. Lords of the long box, cover price. The, 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 they're not speculating. They're actually reporting actual sales of books, creating that excitement. Giving, it is mandatory in my shop all of my employees watch Lords of the Long Box. They have to watch Three Men in the Basement. They have to watch Spine Ticks. They have to watch. Uh, on Sunday, I'll 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 uh, help out. Sometimes I'll guest host on uh, 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 Sparks Comics because he does an FOC for Indies, in particular Scout Comics. And this is the first. We do this because we try to spread that to the customer base to open their eyes to go outside of their comfort zone. You know, they've been looking at the, uh, 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 you know, Marvel because of the movie success, but they didn't think about picking up that Scouts comics. They didn't think about picking up uh, Department of Truth. They didn't think about picking up uh, uh, Berserker or looking at from D.C., you know, uh, uh, trying to get kids uh, into the book, although it's kind of a little older kids, but nonetheless, uh, was wow. it Super Sons, watching that relationship with... Batman and Superman's son and how they how they relate and how they're viewing life and everything else. And, you know, those shows, as they're doing their, their little reviews of these books and stuff, that's the kind of stuff that gets people excited. I have customers that come into this shop because of Comics Explained. Comics Explained is the largest. He, uh, him and Variant Comics are the two largest comic book YouTube channels on YouTube. They all have over a million followers. Comics wow. Explained, he sits there. In this awesome voice, by the way, he has the most awesome voice and he reads, uh, well, he kind of gives you a summary of every book, but he does it in a way that excites you to get the book and want to read it yourself. And then you've got Variant who does reviews and he's the number one guy. I, I think he's like almost 2 million uh, uh, followers. And if you watch it, it's very professionally done how he does it. It's not like this clown show that we do here. <laughs> but I mean, like they, they're a legit comic book channel. Uh, like many of our friends here too. But uh, uh, these guys, these are the guys that the, people are coming into the shop because of these YouTube channels. So that's why if you come into our shop, we're always playing YouTube on our TV because it people oh what's that oh what what book are they talking about because we're trying to get them to broaden their horizons and look at other books to look at you know uh uh you know the newest stuff that dc's putting out and everything else so i because people come in here with one thought typically avengers or scarlet witch or you know winter soldier you know falcon that's what they're looking at right now and then it's our job to be salespeople. 
and to open their eyes up to the other to the other titles that are available and uh we appreciate that you've embraced your job of getting those books to us <laughs> in in us in uh in the in the condition that we can actually sell them and we really appreciate that and it the the opinion of many people that have been looking at lunar from the outside is that you guys are staffed with comic book lovers just based off of how your stuff is packaged and how, how you guys deliver things and we really appreciate that uh did you have anything else you want to ask or not offhandedly but everything that i came in here to ask like you were right on it you got right to it so hey yeah. <laughs> we appreciate do you have any closing statements for us uh, 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 anything you want to promote anything anything you're endorsing a charity anything you want to talk about uh the floor is yours Wh whatever the hell you want to say well, I don't endorse charities, but I am an animal lover, so please, and a planet lover. So, um, you know, just uh, I do want you, anyone who hasn't had a chance, I'd like someone to watch the doc, or anyone to watch the documentary "Kiss the Ground" because it's amazing, um, and it actually opened my eyes a lot about just farming in general in the United States. Um, so, I that's kind of been a, a thing for me even in my own warehouse i try to make sure my employees are are, are using as many of their own water bottles and not plastic etc and then as far as the animal lovers go just please neuter and spay your pets and uh and, and make sure that you're going to those shelters because they have sweet angel babies and all of them and uh just don't go to to, to pet shops that, that you know use those mamas as farms that's it <laughs> awesome well, thank you so much. We know that your uh, your time is uh, is very valuable. Uh, I was going to steal my boy uh, Roger Levesque's line, which is uh, that uh, uh, you know time is valuable, and uh, I'm butchering his his line, but it's essentially we understand that uh, it is valuable, and we appreciate that you were willing to give us some of that, and, and we're very appreciative of that. And we hope that uh, you and your staff will will take a look at that. Uh, uh, that one documentary about uh, my comic yeah. book country, because mm -hmm. you're going to get that perspective from every single, every single type of comic shop owner uh, in the nation, uh, which will, it, it's almost like taking a tour of every comic book shop. We communicate through the Slack, through a Slack channel. So I'll put it on all the warehouses and I'll, I'll tell them to take a look at it. They are all comic lovers, even if they didn't start out as one, now that they're with us. Um, we, we, uh, we've turned them all into comic lovers. So. It's amazing so how awesome. they can just grab you, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got yeah. her hooked. She had yeah. never read a comic book a day in her life. She shows up here. I read ha -ha. one comic book when I was four years old and then nothing for about 12 years. And then now I have a collection of almost a thousand. Well, I had never read a comic until I met Cameron ever. And we started dating when I was, um, okay. 19, I think. Yeah. And uh, the first thing I read was Miss Tree Quarterlies, which I wish those were still in print. Those were phenomenal. A woman that was a detective, it's great. It was true crime, which is another passion of mine. Ooh, and, then, and then the next was uh, Preacher. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that was <Yeah. one> dark. <laughs> we had a jump. Yeah, oh, that's a jump. <laughs> favorites preacher it preacher was because it was like so iconic to me um because of just where i was in my life i think i don't know it was weird 
I read Sandman, I read Transmet, um, but still to this day, one of my absolute favorite Vertigo, Vertigo titles is Scout. That one is the ab, like one of my absolute favorite to this day. So awesome. I'm kind of old school. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you again so much. Thank you, guys, everybody. Make sure uh, that you tune in to Spine Ticks, uh, which should be going right now on their channel. And the links to all of our friends is in the description below. The link to uh, Lunar Distribution is in the link below. So please make sure to visit the Lunar Distribution uh, website. Please use that website to see what is coming up next in the DC Connects so that, that they're your source to find out what is new from DC and Scout check them out, and then uh, support your local comic book shop. We appreciate you guys, and we will see you next time. You just listened to the Aegis Comics of Alaska's podcast. Don't forget, new episodes drop every week. For more info about Alaska's comic book shop, visit www.aegiscomicsalaska.com.